It starts with a very complex morning drink. Before that. <laughs> Before that? Before that. Okay, well, first thing we do... Two alarms. Two Once alarms. the snuggle alarm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then the second one is that it's time to get up. But before we get out of bed, we usually have to stop and like sniff each other's bodies all over, uh -huh. like top to bottom, just to remember like kick up the animal. Mm -hmm. like, so it's yeah. a light sniff morning. Yeah, light sniff morning. Yeah, we have quick, quick sniff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then there's a very complex morning drink. There you go. Now you can kick it off with the <laughs> complex beverage. This is Leela Cast ATX, a podcast about the amazing renaissance happening right here in Austin, Texas. A revolution integrating playfulness into healing and healing into play. A podcast where we talk to healers, leaders, and conductors behind the scenes. In this episode of LilaCast ATX, we interview Brianna Krabeyer and Blake Zeeler. In this conversation, Blake and Brianna talked with us about their experiences and the rituals that have helped them on their journeys toward becoming healers in the realm of sacred sexuality, about their daily rituals and their life paths, the importance of emotional currency and the role of God in our lives. We talked about the importance of accountability and honesty as a spiritual practice. Blake and Brianna are intimacy coaches, facilitators, and healers, as well as teachers in the art of tantric bodywork. We went big with this conversation and we hope that you enjoy both the content as well as the magical and blissful connection that Blake and Brianna have with each other. So you guys make this concoction at home? Yeah. It's, wow. It, it came from other hippies we know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I want some of that. This is actually how Blake wooed me into a relationship. <laughs> it did, yeah. It, it gave him something to talk to me about. Complex <laughs> beverage. Full of supplements and ghee and nut milk and honey 30 some powdered ingredients that go into this and because our supply was low this morning we got to make the whole supply again fresh because uh -huh. it's you know quarter of a cup of this and a couple tablespoons of this mm, and all sorts of stuff potions potions for sure love potions for sure yeah it's the cacao that i've been slipping into the diet but more macro i would say ritual in general is something a way of describing what brought us together and how we got here is lots and lots of ritual and going into ritual space and creating ritual spaces and what do you want to say about that? Personally, I'm a little bit of a dabbler. I'm less concerned about doing the same thing every day, although I find a lot of value in that. And more that I'm tuning in and paying attention to what does my body need, right? For instance, we have a friend that's visiting from out of town and we have a housemate. And so I'm often watching other people's, how do they organize their mornings? They always do the same thing. And they were dropping into yoga practice this morning. I was like, I've got about eight minutes that I can do yoga this morning. So I do eight minutes instead of carving out like, oh, I didn't do a full 30 and now I'm in beat up about that or there's something wrong or off. It's like that, those eight minutes were amazing totally beautiful to tune in with my body and my breath and then pop out and handle what I needed to handle after that. It's body awareness every day, connecting to my voice, giving myself some periods of stillness. We had this beautiful gray rainy morning and in Austin that's not common and so I'm really taking it in. I love being in the weather and being in the weather patterns. Yeah, she wakes up like, oh, it's raining, it just got it got darker. Let's get up now. <laughs> <laughs> and I do wake up talking a lot oh, yeah. of days. Yeah. <laughs> Engaging with the world. Yeah. 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 But yeah, you were excited for the rainy, gray Saturday. Mm. It's poetic. <laughs> so we know that you're both deeply involved with ISTA, and ISTA has a lot of rituals. We obviously won't 
ask you to divulge any secrets, but are there rituals that you can talk about in or outside of Vista that have been particularly transformative for you? So the foundations are breath, sound, and movement for everything. And sexual energy connected to life force energy as medicine. I think one of the most important pieces of ritual that we really bring in and practice on a regular basis, which could look like 10 seconds up to 10 minutes, up to an hour and a half practice, is emotional currency. Through emotional release practices, it supports the body to move anything up, to move the body, to connect to the body, from anything other than ease that's being stored. And that could be a little temper tantrum, not because I'm activated, but because it's time to move energy. Yeah, there's a charge that wants to be cleared. Right, and it's for me it's different than if I'm working out and moving energy. Sure. How is it different? So during periods of my, of my life where I was doing kickboxing or I was running, there was some kind of a repetition where the actual movement was the practice that I was connecting to. And here it's less about what it looks like and more about can I keep breath, sound, and movement and deeper connection to what am I feeling in this moment? What do I need? What am I feeling now? What do I need? And there's always something that emerges. And what could emerge if I'm doing a 10-second temper tantrum could be, you really need some stillness today, babe. You know, like really turning into, okay, that's what I'm going to give myself. Or... Yeah, there's some crying that is ready to move, and you can't force it. But be ready for that today, because it's probably going to come. It's probably just around that next corner. And all of these things contribute to emotional currency, which is a beautiful practice. And after engaging in these forms of self-care and embodiments and breath, sound, and movement like we do, it makes it that much easier to come together to find the place of shared ease and co-regulation where that feeling is like, oh, we're all good. Like, everything's been said, we're totally vibing, we can feel each other's hearts. We're getting faster and faster. Yeah, there's nothing in the way, the field's clean in between us, and then love flows, and it's in its fullness. When you say the word currency, as in the phrase emotional currency, what does the word currency mean there? Is it energy? It has more to do with time, or like being current, like current events. There's nothing stored up emotionally that I'm sitting on that is in my backlog that I either need to say to you or get off my chest or confront myself or feel my way through or process. You know, everything's been processed. The, the emotional inbox is empty. And recognizing that that can also be seen as like money currency, yeah. right? Like when we're up to speed with each other, we're rich. Sure. You know, we're wealthy with love and we can give more to the world. It's a way for me, it's a way of filling my cup when we're emotionally current. It's profound, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. I like that. I hadn't thought of that double entendre. Mm-hmm. That Electrical current, money, yep. and presence. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So currency in three ways. Sure. We want to also ask about your arrival in this current moment in your life in terms of the scope of your whole life. And one way to perhaps start to think about that is what is a seed or a moment in your youth or just earlier in your life that was maybe a turning point or just a seed that you planted a little gem that was like, if you had looked into that little piece of that little fractal, you could actually have, with the right foresight, seen where you were going to end up. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've got one that started, that started coming through in the car on the way here. I was hearing this question coming. For me, the seed or the, the inception point, the real pivot, I think, 
was when the phrase polyamory appeared in my life. Because the moment I heard someone describe it, I felt the resonance. And I was like, oh, what? What are you doing? Tell me more. And I became a sponge for it and was attracted to books and information and people who were practicing this way. I was so curious. And, you know, polyamory is just the first word that arrived, but it's a much more complex set of ideas that for me took on two forms that are important. One, my bisexuality, being able to say yes to more than one gender, went hand in hand with having more than one love. So that was like an obvious fit. But secondly, my spiritual path in many ways began way back then, long before I had done ISTA or even done anything that I would call spiritual, through the definition of how I use the word spiritual now, which is to say that which brings you more deeply in touch with who you are and where you come from. And in order to get more deeply in touch with who you are and where you come from, you have to confront all the parts that you don't want to look at. And polyamory in all of its forms is a fantastic catalyst for looking at all of the things that you don't want to look at, all the way down to our base programming. Am I loved? Am I accepted? Do I belong? Am I okay? Right? Like, it's questions that we started asking when we were in the crib. Like, is anyone here to love me? What? And we have to confront that programming. But for whatever reason, when this concept landed in my life, I found a North Star that was like, you know what, I don't care how hard this is going to be. This is right for me. I'm going to keep heading in this direction. And in doing so, I had to get divorced and go through a couple of unpleasant breakups with people who were not at all aligned with this star. But I knew, I was just talking to Brianna about it the other day, like I knew early, early, early in that whole journey of like, oh no, no, this is, this is where I pivot and I'm not looking back. And in some ways I could credit that moment with helping me to find the rest of my spiritual path, the, the process of going inward and seeing what I need and resourcing myself and healing the things through sex, love, and play, primarily at the start. And healing those things was how I ended up getting here into this room. Wow. Yeah. Do you remember the exact moment when you heard that word or saw it? Was it in a conversation or a book on a bookshelf? I remember the first person who really like owned it. They're like, yes, I'm polyamorous. This is how I live. She later became my girlfriend. But we met like a year and a half prior to that. And, you know, my partner at the time, we had kind of been like dabbling in what I would now describe as monogamish play. And then I heard the word kind of at a distance. And then I heard it one more time. I couldn't, couldn't recall those two. But then I met this person who was like, no, this is how we live. And this is my husband and my boyfriend. And da, 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 da. How long ago was that? That was New Year's at the end of 2010. Wow, sounds like you know it by the yeah. date. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was a New Year's Eve party. Wow. <laughs> where we met. Did you did you have a spiritual practice before that? No, not really. Except maybe for plant medicine. I was pretty agnostic, atheistic, materialist, left brain, science educated, STEM degree holding. So just like yeah. a, any other human walking down the street. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just your, your average American. Wow. Well, you were pretty unique and interesting in a lot of ways. Quirky and out there, I guess. Yeah. But Very I, Aquarian. Sure, but I hadn't really fully owned my sexuality. I hadn't really fully owned where I stood on a lot of issues, you know, particularly around love and relationships and like where I stand on a lot of issues is like, I didn't really have boundaries, very, very strong boundaries inside of relationship. Mm -hmm. And it was through the opening of our relationship, not just to being engaged with others, but to being viewed by the outside world instead of happening behind closed doors 
it shined a light on all the shadows and all the cracks and all the things that needed our love and attention. It took us on different paths, but it ultimately was like the awakening and the splash of cold water, you know, that really got it jump-started. I've only known Blake for the past two years, yeah. but from spending time over those two years with his family and friends that he's had for 20 plus years, the reflection that I hear a lot now as they're talking to me or even just as they're reflecting back to him is this is full Blake. Like this is the fullest expression of Blake. And there's been bits and pieces of it that have been breaking through. Right. As you say, leaked through the years in some ways, but then some kind of a snapback or contraction or doubting yourself in it. And there's actually, there's so much pride mm -hmm. when they say it, mm -hmm. like to really witness you and feel you. Yeah. It's like all of you has now been given permission to come out. Thank you for seeing me. Will you say again how you understand spirituality? Well, what I said a moment ago is spirituality is the practice of going inward and finding all the parts of ourselves that want love and attention. Spirituality is the quest for wholeness, to leave no stone unturned inside and bring everything into inner union, and also to, from that place of wholeness, to kind of get beyond just being one identity one human with one name and one bank account and spread yourself out and draw from and give to the collective. But the other definition of spirituality I really love comes from our teacher Frank, which is spirituality is the distance in time between offense and atonement. And that applies in an interpersonal relationship where like there's a breakdown, we're not in ease, and so we do the, the emotional currency work to get back to atonement to completion. But that phrase also applies to what I was saying about the inward process. It's like somewhere in the past, <clears throat> I got hurt, there was an offense, either someone offended me or I offended someone else and now I'm carrying the guilt of that, but there was a wound that occurred, and until the spiritual work of atonement has fully been done on that, which I think involves feeling all the feelings that are there, expressing them all, emotionally releasing and getting to currency, that thing will remain in some state of wound and incompletion. I hear you speaking about healing in a really beautiful way and what I'm noticing about it with the use of the word atonement is taking responsibility mm -hmm. for your own healing and contributing to the healing of others because atonement is about asking for forgiveness mm -hmm. coming back into alignment and showing up for forgiveness mm -hmm. being willing to forgive and let go of whatever you were holding I'd say it's the biggest underlying piece of all the work that we do, both in connection with each other and the work that we do with the world is radical self-responsibility. And that's probably a lot of what drew us towards each other is that that already felt ingrained in both of us. Like it was one of the codes that both of us had been working to master before we met. And something that we really believe is at the foundation of anyone moving forward in anything that they want to do in their lives whether that's furthering their career, deepening their intimacy and their relationship, being a leader in their community, are they connected moment to moment in radical self-responsibility? And really gently, we call each other to presence about that in our daily lives. Probably the most gently that I've ever oh, sure. really engaged with. If anything, we have to remind each other to take a little bit less responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, you can be yeah. upset about that. Okay. No, I'm already 12 steps in and deep into how far I can go about how I created this reality. <laughs> I, I can say I'm sorry for things. It's okay. okay. So, can, so can you. <laughs> your chemistry is so beautiful to watch. <laughs> One of the things that surprised and delighted me in my one experience so far at ISSA was that self-responsibility piece and the sovereignty, which I think goes along with that. 
And I heard a lot of talk about God and source and divinity and this, you know, transcendent, imminent other, which is also very attractive to me. I'm a religious studies scholar. That's my jam and my spirituality. So I'm curious, like how you're talking about spirituality, you're talking about your relationship, but how do those pieces of radical autonomy and sovereignty and self-responsibility intersect with something that's far bigger than ourselves? For y'all. Softball question. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. What do you think about God? <laughs> Can you begin to think about God? I think, so there's one piece that I'm connecting to here about clearing myself to be a channel so I can feel something outside of myself. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of this mm, deeper exploration, personal development world can look a bit egocentric. And there's, you know, I've reflected a lot on that since I want to be even more egocentric <laughs> about it, right? Like it's this idea that in connecting to, whether it's connecting to my community or connecting to source energy, if I'm not true enough with myself and I'm not like really taking a deep look inward, I can't serve. And again, whether that I'm serving other people or I'm serving something greater than self, like I'm connecting into purpose and allowing myself to get clear on my truth so that I can receive deeper messages. That, that could sound woo-woo depending on who's, you know, whose ears this is landing on, but my receiving of messages could be a walk in the forest where I get a great idea for our next workshop. Mm-hmm. And I consider that to be a receiving of messages. Something in my heart is opening. I've gotten myself a bit out of the way. And now, you know, whether it's really like listening to the wind in the trees, and I'm like, oh, this idea just came to me and I don't put a lot of thought on where it came from, except that I was open enough to receive it where on some other day I might have my head up my ass and I couldn't hear anything except the inside of my rectum. to your question through it's Brianna's words kind of jumpstarted this for me through this notion of soul shine right your soul shine is what you came to earth to radiate it is the parts of you that were there when you were born that will will shine through you every day of your life and it's it's like the the divinity in you the droplet of god that that was you know put into your mother's womb to become this radiant human that you are. And, and everyone's soul shine is unique, of course, and it, it, it has different impacts on different people, mm-hmm. right? It's different medicine for different people. Spiritual practice for me is doing everything, all the work that I can to get the filters out of the way, to get the, the blinds off the soul shine so that the full divine nature of me and everyone that I work with can just come through. And it's, it's really, it's, personality structures that get in the way of soul soul shine and our personality structures are formed in response to the world and in response to pain it's the the armor we put on the clothing that we wear to make people think certain things of us the the masks metaphorically and literally that we use to disguise how we really feel inside so that we can send an impression of who we are but it's false it's incongruous what's going on inside with how you're being perceived outside and that dishonesty or 
getting honest in that space of potential dishonesty is also a spiritual practice to me. Again, that's stripping away the bullshit in whatever form it might show up. I think about little kids, like you can see their soul shine. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen both of your little ones and their soul shine just like exuding left and right. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing that gets in the way of it is like, I need to have a temper tantrum because I'm thirsty and I don't know how to ask for it. <laughs> but it's, there's just so much that's moving through in them. Like when I think back to the times in my life where I've felt really dark and dense, you know, when I've been going through my dark night of the soul, there was no soul shine coming through. That's essentially it. Like there was a lack of... Soul blind. Yeah, I was soul blind. Right. And usually that involved substances and feeling like I wasn't contributing anything on a daily basis for whatever the work was that I was doing. Or it was just really not being able to see and feel myself. But I can look back and have these moments of images of running around my yard as a little kid and entertaining myself for hours on end with the trees and the plants and making little, I don't know what I called them, little like bundles. Like I'd find a big leaf and I'd put a pine cone in and some seeds and some petals and I'd wrap them all in a string and I'd hide them in the yard and like some little forest creature. No one taught me to do these things. It's just these things that kids know how to do. Yeah. And that's that idea of like, why is this kid doing this thing and where did they learn this? They just know it. They just know how to shine and radiate and play and create and be in their imagination and make sense of the world creating their own rituals <laughs> right and and of course even at two three four years old kids do have these imprints of what the outside world is putting on them who they think they should be they're starting to get some self-referencing or some self-doubt or you know they're picking up patterns and behaviors from all of us adults that think that we have it together and you know that's okay we just keep guiding them onto the place to shine more brightly that image of you collecting bundles in your yard feels like one image of you as this ritual magician person that you are. Are there other, sure. going back to the question from a little bit ago, are there other moments that feel to you like a pivot point or a seed for who you are now? Yeah, I love that Blake had this one reference point around polyamory. It's so beautiful and it's such a part of his story. And mine was more like a montage. You know, it was like a photo album as if you were just flipping the pages really quickly. And the next image that came to my mind was going to a rave as a 16-year-old. Being in the parking lot and writing permission slips for ourselves. Because we heard that if you're under 18, you had to have a permission slip from your parent. Like, who told us this? Did they tell us this because they thought it was going to be hilarious? But whatever either way trying to keep you out of it we were ready to go do ecstasy you know like we were ready to dance all night and just be in this place of play but the thing that really comes to my mind for this is the sense of community that I felt from the freedom of dance and the freedom of expression and I could make 15 20 30 new friends in one night and like really feel deep love for them I totally understand that this was in some ways it was constructed environment to create this And I'm wondering, like, what were people in their 30s thinking about these 15, 16, (laughs) 17-year-olds? Yeah, like, just bopping all over the place. But there was something around that imagery of the complete delight. It it has a bit of the same flavor as being a a little one. Mm -hmm. You know, before the world got in the way, I could imagine that there was a way into society where I could be free and express myself and move my body and be so full of love. For the people around me. So there's like my path really from there realizing that I couldn't be a raver for the rest of my life, nor did I actually really 
desire to, but there was something around being in a place where I could practice idealism, where it would be embraced, that felt really important to me. Will you tell us about a recent time that y'all have played together? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like, <laughs> what are you thinking of? I'm thinking of our little camping trip recently. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we were apart yeah. for most of last month. Mm-hmm. We had about three days together over the whole month. Is that true? It's true. True. And even though we had both just come back from a bunch of traveling, we needed to like leave our house right away and go spend... It was about four days. We had just gotten home. We just started to settle in, but... We need to leave again. We need to leave again. We needed to be in nature. Right. We needed to play. We needed to drop in with each other. We needed to put these godforsaken electronics away. And so we did. We bounced around to a couple different places, but in the middle we had two nights in this beautiful cabin structure, like a tent building, Japanese-style, screened in with sliding panels. And so it's not insulated, but it is sheltered from the rain. And it rained on us, and we spent a whole night just in the morning just kind of huddling and, you know, hunkering from the rain. But there was also a pond there where we got to go swimming and splash around and sit in the floaty, rescue butterflies from the water surface. And it was just youthful. It was like kids. Raining when it's camping, like there's something so fun about that, especially if you're with a beloved you haven't seen much recently, because we had a lot of lovemaking to get caught up on. We did, oh my God. Yeah, a lot of like, wow, what's your body do now? (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen you in any month. I had a family. To see about this thing I want to try. You have to start over. Yeah. You get to know each other all the way. And then having the nature element and playing and chopping wood and figuring Both out our roles fires. without necessarily discussing, you know, what the one person is going to do or the other person. This one will spend a half an hour building a perfect little fire starter teepee and like placing each twig and leaf. And, it's an art project. It's gorgeous and it's so playful. But yeah, there's a lot of play with nature, play with each other's bodies, a lot of laughter. Music, DJing for each other, dancing. Just silliness. It seems to return pretty naturally for us and I think for most people when we get out of doing all of our responsibilities and inboxes. And we had to-do lists. Like if if anyone had been managing us, if we had managers that weren't us... The manager that lives inside of me was like, this is absurd. We can't do this. Tapping their foot and looking at the watch. (laughs) Do you find that kind of playfulness healing? Necessary. Not just healing, but necessary. And I think healing is necessary. Yeah, it's a must. I guess there's kind of like two ways to use healing. One is like restoration on a day-to-day basis just resourcing yourselves and getting back to a place of like oh i feel full again that's kind of the short-term healing that we're describing in this story but yeah play getting to be a kid and a kid-like child-like and express all the things that are stored inside you from your childhood is best done through play and that's one of the ways that we become whole it's access all the stuff that was repressed we Um, laugh at ourselves a lot oh yeah you know like the hilarity of being a human laugh cry laugh cry on the way here we were i was reading memes to blake while he drove and i mean i couldn't stop cracking up and he's like read me the next one i was like you sure because i've already read you six but laughter is so important for us in our relating and we wouldn't be here (laughs) we wouldn't make it we would set ourselves up for needing much greater healing in the future <laughs> if we weren't doing it on a consistent basis now. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Like knowing when to take things seriously and drop in, be present, and recognize that one or the other needs to listen with a more open heart. And sometimes there are tears or that need to be moved first, or maybe there is like an edgy conversation. And here's a little bit of anger that needs to move or to be expressed, or I have a truth that I want to be seen in. Is there anything in particular that you each are working on healing right now and that could be 
internal work. It could be particular to your relationship with each other, or it could be because you are healers. It could be actually something out there in others that you're seeing as a pattern that you're called to heal. I feel enticed by that last part of your ask. There's a fire burning out there in the world right now around sexuality and power and the intersection of those things. And a lot of it manifests in the millennia old wounds between our genders. And it's been getting hotter and hotter since the Me Too movement, but even before that, and it's, it's very, very hot right now. And we are standing in it. We're intimately connected to it. And it's a time when we don't just have to like talk about our ideals, but we have to embody them. And we have to walk the walk that we've been training for for years, which involves a lot of sovereignty and consent and boundaries and self-responsibility upon self-responsibility. And I, I trust that the fire that's burning right now is going to burn out, like burn away a lot of the pain and suffering that exists in the collective and bring a lot of healing about, but we have to tend it. What's the piece of medicine that you're, each of you are uniquely bringing to this painful situation in our culture. Accountability and integrity, mm-hmm. the willingness to have hard conversations, the willingness to, like speaking as a man in particular, like the willingness to stand next to a brother who has harmed someone to help him come into... Whether it, consciously or unconsciously. Yeah, accountability or integrity, not to lynch him or hang him out to dry or ostracize him but help him be restored to his wholeness and love and power as well mm-hmm. i feel like that's the other half of restorative justice that's harder to manifest you know listening to listening to those who have been harmed is easier or is happening more frequently <sighs> than restoring on the backside. and i think that's the unique piece that i'm bringing mm-hmm. and i think about restorative justice and my role in this in the world of sexuality and sexual healers and facilitators and transformational communities it's compassion and gentleness and i'm reteaching myself how to do that i've been really involved in social justice movements for a long time and that mostly came from my fire and my passion and my ability to throw words out without thinking and always having the right little lawyer thing to say back and right now it's softening it's a stillness within myself it's listening and feeling the emotions with people not making people wrong. And as I develop myself into furthering my trauma-informed care, I've been working in some way through nonprofit work and social services in trauma-informed care, but there's always more to learn. And a lot of that's putting it back to myself as I'm being gentle with myself, feeling my own surges of passion and energy and emotion or noticing how I choose my interpretations of situations and events so continuing to move from an empowered place but not making actually not making any of my victim consciousness wrong just recognizing it's a part of the spiral path beautiful perspective it has almost helped me see how you interact with your clients as they approach you can you tell us more about that Maybe you give us a story or two. How does your work unfold with a client? If I'm a client and if I'm coming to you, what would happen? I'd say the first thing that we do is we listen deeply to what do you want? What do you want? And sometimes people don't know what they want. And that's part of why they're coming to us is because they're like, I want something more out of my relationships. I want something more out of my passion. Out of life. And I don't know what that is. And I don't know how to find it. I don't know where to go. Um... That's one place that people come with. Building off of that, I think that the essence of what Brianna and I are teaching and offering in our coaching is empowerment and how to 
help individuals not just speak what they want, but then start to manifest it to the permission field that is a lot of people need to just own what they want and own what they don't want. And, and when people really do that, when they really get super honest with themselves and with those around them, it can result in big, big changes happening because they'll recognize that like, oh, this thing isn't working or that thing isn't working or what I really want to be doing is over here. And so we support them in going through those changes. That's really where the rubber meets the road yes. in personal transformation, right? It's like, you can go like, oh, I identify this way now and my world looks better, feels better, but it's not physically different. So we support people in making those changes, you know, manifest in their 3D world too. Through practices like emotional currency, through talking to the different parts of ourselves, through getting into like, yes, the inner child, but what are all the different parts of our inner child and what do they need to hear? Through clearing anything in our timelines, this lived timeline we do a little bit more with like the lived timeline than past life or yeah, that, um, that comes into it too yeah ancestral yeah or, or the archetypes like looking at what are the archetypes that are present within myself that i feel and then also cleaning up the relationships in this 3d world like if there's been hurts from the past they don't have to have a conversation with their former partner but really diving in and saying, you know, what do you need to say to them? How, how do you need to get in there with them? And then coming back to the self and then going to the outside world and then coming back to the self. There's a lot of these layers of working with someone. That Indeed. And, and perhaps the layer that we haven't mentioned yet is that all of this can build up to sacred sexual practitionership and using the temple arts to help people really clear from their bodies, from their lower chakras, the areas that are difficult to even approach with thought because there weren't words in those memories mm -hmm. and clearing that depth of stuff from their body as well. Lately, what we've been really excited about as far as our coaching is concerned is doing these three month journeys with an individual or a couple where there's all the getting to know you and the, the asking the questions to find out what really matters, where are they really suffering? What do they really want? And then culminating in a 48 hour deep dive with the two of us where we get to go into in-person clearing of all this stuff and, and getting our bodies into it much more and, and being able to use touch and presence and, and sacred sexuality as a vehicle for moving big things. Mm -hmm. So this is a 48 hour of deep dive, deep dive, yeah. a ceremony, ritual, hands-on work, tantric massage. Wow, yeah. okay. Is it 48 hours and a stretch or is it like 48 hours over three months? No, 48 hours at one time. We could imagine doing like you know, three or even four days. I think mm -hmm. it depends on what we're feeling into authentically with the client, like what they need. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard to say, like maybe it's three months of work together, maybe it's six months of work together to get to the point where we can come together. And so really people, do that deep work. Right. right. This feels really unique to me in terms of what, what's being offered in the community is this, this way of deep diving that you guys are able to offer. Thanks for so seeing that's that. fascinating. Yeah. yeah. We're just discovering ourselves how incredibly powerful it can be. You know, we've only done a handful of these, but the results thus far have been mind-blowing for, for us and our clients. The last client that we did this deep dive with, there's someone that we know, we know the body of work that they've been in before. They came really ready and ripe to go and take themselves into the next level. Right. It's less about us taking someone on a journey, although we are definitely co-creating a journey together. But I'd say that our ideal client, the people who are really ready to do this deep dive, are someone who's like 
I'm ready for what's next. And I've done retreats and I've done work and I have my own set of certifications. We're working with people that are going out to serve the world in a bigger mm-hmm. way. And we're ready to unlock with them and hold them in really tender spaces that maybe they're afraid to go. This is one of the yeah. facilitator and coaches dilemmas is who's going to hold us. and that's what we enjoy doing because we can feel it we can see it and often we're in this psychic coaching connection of like yeah exactly what i was going to say exactly where i was going to take them to go next yeah Yeah. you guys seem so deeply tuned in to each other (laughs) even now as we're having this dialogue it's just magical to watch when you zoom out for a moment from this conversation that we've been having are there any pieces that feel important to you to add I mean, there's so many beautiful pieces that we touched on that could be hour-long conversations mm-hmm. to themselves. This has been a rich conversation with a wide scope, so thank you for that. What feels important to say that we didn't touch on? I suppose in terms of what Brianna and I are offering, mm-hmm. one thing we're really excited about right now is listening to our audience, listening to the people who want to do work for themselves. What do they want to do? Like what, what kind of programs do they want to do? What kind of teaching do they want? And we are more than happy to travel around to various places where there might be a community that's really craving an emotional release embodiment workshop or a sacred sexuality deep dive or a tantra weekend. We would be happy to come and teach any of the things in our wheelhouse mm just about anywhere if someone wants to set it up and create the opportunity. And we're actively looking for people who want to organize within their already established communities to bring us in to fill any number of different buckets that they might feel like have a need right now. Exactly. We know where we can find certain things and we're seeing beautiful practitioners in Austin. Like I'm Mm -hmm. so inspired by the community, Mm -hmm. but what isn't here? Right. That's a beautiful question. What have you found as you inquired that? I've found that people really want to get into relational dynamics. They really want to hear what brings the spark back into our relationship. How can we go deeper? What's the most authentic way for us as lovers or beloveds or poly community to dive in and up level our connection? We can't convince people to come to that. You know, we need to know that there's people that really want it. So if people who listen to our podcast or find you in this way want to work with you, what is the best way to get in touch? And perhaps what are some events that you have coming up soon? Either of our websites, Blake Zeeler, Z-E-A-L-E-A-R, (laughs) dot com <laughs> or Brianna for buyers c-r-i-b-e-y-e-r dot com we're also not shy about getting dms and being yeah. like, hey, i heard you on grace monty's show like we're gonna see that and respond to it so. we'll be really opening ourselves to feel into what do we feel like is our next thing mm-hmm. or because our main focus right now is doing these deep dives right with individuals and couples yeah. and so if people are interested in that then they can contact us directly to start to talk about what they want to set up and Mm-hmm. and what they're interested in. And we're always becoming inspired for our next thing. Totally. We've been holding an introduction to tantric bodywork called Sacred Touch. And so we'll probably have another of those as well. But totally. It's like what started as a one day, we created into a two day. And now we're like, we think we need a four day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we're, we're really excited about the private work right now with, with couples and individuals. And we're also available for in-person, hands-on sacred sexuality sessions here in Austin as well. Thank you so much for this juicy conversation, Blake and Brianna. For our listeners, check out Blake on Instagram at Blake Zeeler and Brianna at she underscore boldly underscore goes underscore. 
for their latest offerings and adventures. Blake also runs an awesome men's group called Remember. We'll put the spelling of that group as well as their Instagram handles and websites in our show notes. Until next time, this is LilaCast ATX, hosted by Monsi Parikh and Grace Ortman, with original music by David Schaefer. <laughs>